0: And today's reading comes from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 11, uh, 13, sorry. Please pay a careful attention. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, let me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give a fish, uh, instead of fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. This is the word of the Lord, and all God's people said, Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I will now invite Pastor John to deliver God's word to us today. Good to see you,
1: everybody. Oh, there we go. Nice. Everybody had a great week. Uh, hopefully, not too many exams or too many uh, homework assignments, classwork. You were able to have some rest this past week. Um, would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. For if we call you Father, that means that we are your sons and your daughters. And though we were so once far away from you, the blood of Christ Jesus spilled on behalf of the elect sinners like me and like us here today have now been drawn near, drawn near, drawn near by the blood of Jesus. And therefore, when we gaze upon your heavenly throne in prayer, we know that this is possible because of who Jesus is. And so, not because of the confidence that we have in our own righteousness, but in the righteousness of Christ, demonstrated upon the cross and in his resurrection, we now dare to boldly call you Father. And so, Father, Lord, we pray, we humbly ask that you will soften our hearts so that we can receive your word with gladness and delight and joy, that we can come to you at any point in our lives, any moment of the day, of the week, and to treasure our identity as sons and daughters of God. We thank you, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. So last week we heard how Jesus took Peter, John, and James up on the mountaintop to pray. And as Jesus was praying, the appearance of his face altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And this scene is actually known as the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. And the main thing that we learned from Pastor Sam was that, what? Does anybody remember? Who is God? Jesus is God. Come on, guys. Jesus is God. And in this glorious demonstration of Jesus' divine nature and manifestation of his glory we can easily forget and move on from what jesus was doing prior to the transfiguration what was he doing he was praying and from the vantage point of the disciples most likely they were in prayer with jesus too and while they were praying the passage tells us that he they fell into not just a sleep but into a deep sleep some of you guys are about to fall into a deep sleep right now But they fell into a deep sleep. And a moment later, they observe something miraculous. They get to see and witness the glorious demonstration of Jesus' divine nature and manifestation of his glory. But, you know, Brothers and sisters, friends, I can't tell you how much I appreciate the detail of the disciples, again, not falling asleep, but into a deep sleep while they were praying, right? Because prayer can be challenging for everyone, whether you're a pastor, a small group leader, high school student, middle school student, praying can be very difficult. How many of us know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I mean, we all do in one way or another. When we are praying, our minds can begin to wander to all sorts of places. Our minds can wander to things that occurred at school, our homes, and even at church. And for some of you who are really, really imaginative, you can begin to wander in your mind to events that haven't even happened. You're just making it up as you go. You know what I'm talking about. And even if, our minds actually don't wander. We don't always know what to pray for. Our prayers can oftentimes be vague, general, and painfully superficial. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this meal. Help me have a good day. Help me do well in this exam, etc. And then we move on. We forget about God. And sometimes not only these things, but also technical aspects of prayer can trip us up to. Like, for instance, how long do I pray? Do I pray for like one minute? Does that count? Five minutes? Ten minutes? Do I pray on my knees? Where do I pray? Do I close my eyes? Do I have to fold my hands? How do I do this thing called prayer? And because of these challenges as well as these, you know, little technical questions here and there, many come to the conclusion, the tragic conclusion that prayer is at worst useless and at best optional. And so what we learn through our lack of prayer actually is that we can live life without God by trusting in ourselves. I remember uh, many, many years ago during one of my classes in seminary, a school for pastors, I was taking a Greek final exam. Now, all of you guys are students and you guys know some, some exams are easy, some exams are difficult. This one was really, really difficult. It was super difficult. And so before I took the exam, I began to pray. Silently, to myself. And while I was praying, one of my friends actually taps me on the shoulders. And he was a little bit older than me. And he says, John, last-minute prayers don't work. You guys know what, you know what he's talking about? You guys, right before your exam, right before when something is due, and it's all on you to submit it when it's due at a certain time or a certain period, And you're like rushing straight through to get it done. And you're quickly praying, Lord, help me get through this. My friend said, last minute prayers don't work. And here's the thing. Let's think about that statement. Last minute prayers don't work. This statement views prayer as an ineffective way to get things from God. But what is worse is that this statement actually misses the point of prayer altogether. Because the primary point of prayer is not to get things from God, but it is to be with God, regardless of the situation. My children, uh, three of my children, they love uh, grandma and grandpa. And whenever they come over to my place, uh, grandparents, you know, I don't know, maybe it's in our culture, Korean grandparents, uh, but they always come with like gigantic Boxes of toys and whatever. And one of the things I was worried about <laughs> is that they weren't yearning and longing for grandma and grandpa, but I was afraid that every time grandma and grandpa would come, my kids would start running up to them and instead of embracing their, their body, they would look for their hands and see what's in their hands and actually miss out on grandma and grandpa. But we do this All the time. And I can only imagine that the disciples also saw prayer in this way, just to get things from God. And all of this changed when they saw Jesus praying. When they saw Jesus praying, it was different. It was radically different. It was so different that in Luke chapter 11, verses 1, one of the disciples makes a request to Jesus, saying, Jesus, Lord, teach us. To pray as John taught his disciples to pray. Now let's think about that for a moment. Let's say you're one of the disciples. And now at this point you saw Jesus walking on water, casting out demons, performing incredible miracles. You saw Jesus teaching and preaching in ways that nobody in that time period has ever preached and taught. What would you ask for? What would be the one thing that you would ask for for Jesus? Maybe for healing. Maybe to do well at school. And yet one of the most remarkable things is found in that request. Jesus, teach me to pray like you. Why? When Jesus prayed, the disciples saw that prayer actually mattered. Prayer actually mattered. And when Jesus prayed, the disciples knew that prayer wasn't pointless or useless and let alone optional. When Jesus prayed, it was different from the way that the disciples prayed themselves and the way in which the teachers of the day prayed. Or perhaps their family members prayed. And what was this difference? The difference was this. I want you to listen very carefully. That Jesus... Wanted to be with his father instead of just looking for things from the father. Let me say that again. Jesus wanted to be with his father instead of just looking for things from the father. I mean, this is literally the only way to understand our passage today. Because, as we have learned last week, and I'm going to reiterate today, that Jesus is God. There is nothing for him to desire because he has everything, he created everything. He is the greatest and ultimate being. There is nothing for him to achieve in order for him to be glorious. He simply is glorious all the time. And yet, Jesus prayed. And yet, Jesus got on his knees early in the morning, all throughout the day, just praying to God the Father. Why? Because he loved his Father. He wanted to be with his Father. And because Jesus loves each and every one of you, we see here Today, that he responds to the requests of the disciples by saying, I want you to enjoy God the way that I enjoy my Father. So, we got three points for today. If you're taking notes, maybe this will help you. Number one, the difference. The difference between the way Jesus prays and the way that you and I might pray. The difference. Number two, the audacity of prayer. The audacity of prayer. And lastly, the fruit of prayer. The fruit of prayer. Are you ready? Here we go. The difference. Uh, if you have your Bibles with me, uh, please turn back to our chapter, Luke chapter 11. Uh, Verses 1 to 13. I'm going to read from verses 2 to 4. And it reads this. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. I do not believe that this is actually Jesus' prayer. I do not believe that Jesus prayed this specific formula. This specific pattern is for you and for me. Why do I say that? Well, if this is exactly how Jesus prayed, it wouldn't make sense for Jesus to pray, forgive me of my sins, because Jesus has no sin. He is perfect in all. All of his ways. But because he loves us as his children, he gives us this pattern of prayer. And the very first thing that we see in this passage is that Jesus invites you, you and me to call God Father. (laughs) This is mind-blowing. This is mind-blowing. Let me tell you why. In the Old Testament, God is called Father there's 39 books in the Old Testament. God is called Father only 15 times. Only 15 times. And none of these times are used in reference to prayer. So in the Old Testament, there is no instruction for you to pray to God and call him Father. Because God is so amazing. God is God. He answers to no one. He is perfect. He is outside of time, space, and matter. He is God. God he explodes all categories and he has chosen to reveal himself to us that should be enough that should be enough for us right he revealed himself to us and now we know that he exists but starting in Matthew chapter 6 all the way to the rest of you know the gospel of John you see god referenced to as father 165 different times You see God referred to as father 165 times. And who is Jesus talking to? When he says to people, call God father, who is Jesus talking to? He's talking to his children, his disciples. He's talking to you. Call him father. He's saying when you pray, don't don't be shy. He's your father. There is nothing for you to fear. He has everything covered for you. And I know some of our you know, students here, painful. Your, your families might not provide that great biblical example of what it means to be a good father. But when you read the scriptures, you see a categorically different kind of father in God the Father. That even the best fathers are put to shame by how much. God the Father loves each and every one of you. He knows exactly how much hair is on your head. He has authored your life to be a blessing, to receive blessing to be a blessing unto others your life matters not because TikTok told you not because whatever social media trend is out there with the in, in, you know all the music in the background saying that you're something special no when the world tells you that you're special it means nothing but when the king of kings and the lord of lords god almighty who created you says that you are special to him then you are special you see the world tells you hey you want to know who you are go look deep within yourself and then you look deep within yourself and what happens it's, it's not a you know coincidence that there's a rise in depression and anxiety. Because look, my hands are too small to save me. But when I look above and I see God, and Jesus teaches me to call God my Father. And if God is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, then what are you? Well, in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1, it says this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God, and so we are. I was uh, looking at um, one of these like Instagram reels, and I don't, I don't know who she is. Oh man, I, I, I started to, cheer, uh, you know, choke up because of her story. Uh, whoever this young lady was, uh, she was getting interviewed. So I, I assume that she was a celebrity. I'm really sorry. I'm not really too sure about who's, you know, in right now. But she was getting interviewed. And she said, she was a young lady, maybe like 18 or so, I I don't know. But she, she said in the interview, you know, before, I guess when she was famous, she would look in the mirror and get her lipstick and write the word fat on it. And as she was telling the story, okay, every morning I look at that mirror and I see what it says. It says that I'm fat. So that is what I am. And as she is telling that story in a nonchalant, in a very casual way, you know what happens? She starts to break down. And the interview has to stop. The interviewer comes and consoles. That's what happens when we look at the mirror. Because the Bible says this that no one is righteous, no, not one. That we all have insecurities. I have a lot of insecurities. (laughs) I have a lot of uh, shame, and I have a lot of guilt, and I have a lot of sin. In my life, since I'm older than you, I, I've, I've lived longer years of sinning. I suppose I have a lot of different kinds of trauma and different kinds of pains. And when I look at the mirror, I I don't have lipstick, obviously. But I, if I did, I would write hopeless. What do you write on your mirror every day that you see yourself? What do you write on your mirror? The pain and the sorrow. But the Bible, brothers and sisters, and Jesus Christ himself does not say look to the mirror, look to the Father. And maybe, maybe, maybe you forgot how much you are treasured by his gaze upon you. And you forgot who you are because you forgot who your Father is. And when you get to know him, when you get to know him, you begin to realize that you can actually be a child just a child to him come to him simply as yourself i have uh, three kids as i've shared with you and sometimes i have little ones they're really really little uh young and and sometimes my kids get nightmares and sometimes we get nightmares too at our age this is fine but when you're younger and you're a little kid you can't handle those nightmares and i'm not really too sure what they have nightmares about but I remember, and every time they get nightmares, they'll start screaming and whatever, and they instinctually know what to do. They run to mommy and daddy, and they go in between us. And whatever terrified them and whatever scared them, you know what cures them? Cuddles. So mommy and daddy, we just sandwich them in, and we love on them. But in a richer and more fuller way. God gives us peace and assurance with his great love, which he loved us in Jesus Christ. It is the ultimate cosmic cuddle, if you will. As Jesus is hung upon the cross for you, whatever it is that you have nightmares about, whatever it is that is burdening you, there is this cosmic love to silence all of our fears in the name of Jesus. And when you get to know this Jesus... You cannot deny it. You cannot hide it. You must, as Jesus says, hallow his name, hallow. And that means we're going to set apart his name. That's what it means, hallow, to set apart. And when you think about that, All that means is to say that there is no one else. There is no one else. And we do this as human beings all the time. We hallow one another's name. You know, when when I got married, I I hallowed my wife's name. There is no one else like my wife for me. And as your pastor, I don't have any other uh, youth group students. You are my youth group students. I, I hallow you in a sense. I set you apart in a sense. But you know what's so crazy? is that we don't hallow Jesus' name. Let me me, uh, read to you a list of where Jesus stands in the top 100 of the most influential people in the world. I'm just going to give you top 10. Number one, Muhammad, the prophet of Islam. Number two, Isaac Newton, the British mathematician and scientist. And then number three, Jesus of Nazareth. And then, right after Buddha and then Confucius, the Apostle Paul made it. Ceylon, the inventor of paper. Johann Gutenberg, inventor of the printing press. Christopher Columbus, and Albert Einstein. Jesus, or I should say, none of these people have any business being on the list with Jesus Christ. None. And what's so crazy is that he wasn't even first. It was Muhammad. What do we learn from last week? That Jesus is God. That alone separates him from all other human beings mentioned in the list above. But yes, Jesus is not only 100% God, but he's also 100% man to be like us. And yet he was sinless. And so he is so great that he transcends all the lists, but the world does not know it. This is why we hallow his name. When we are praying, hallowed be your name, what we are saying is, Daddy, Father, may your name be great in all the world. And let your name be hallowed in my own heart. Let there be no competitor. I mean, when you go back to the Garden of Eden in Genesis, everything was perfect. God had made everything perfect for his children. And then Genesis 3, what happens? A competing voice comes, a false lover, the serpent, and he pulls us away from God. But in Christ Jesus, we now pray, Lord let your name be hallowed. Let it be set apart in my life. Let me put you first above all else because I know that you are good. And because you are father and I am your child, I'm going to boast in you. Uh, back in, you know, I don't know about now, but back in the days when I was a kid, uh, we can make fun of each other. <clears throat> you know, you're short, you're fat, you're ugly, you smell bad, you know, whatever, wear a mask. And it's not even COVID back then, right? But one thing that we would not say to one another, we would never make fun of our moms. You know what I'm saying? I don't know about your generation. But anytime you cross that line and you make fun of my mom, you're dead. And I wouldn't make fun of your mom because that would mean in my mind it means war. Likewise with, you know, our heavenly father. Man, the apostle Paul was so proud of God the Father. In Galatians chapter 1, he says if anybody preaches any gospel other than the one that I preached, let him be anathema. That is the Greek word for accursed. And what P, uh, what Paul is saying is let him be eternally condemned. And he says it twice. Why? Because hey, don't talk about my dad like that. You don't know him. You don't know how great he is. How much he loved us. Continues to love us. And when you get to know him, Jesus says, pray your kingdom come. Because in God's kingdom, it's filled with not perfect people. It's filled with people like me. It's filled with people like you. Sinful at heart, but love to the fullest in Jesus Christ. Let your kingdom come because this world, the world that we live in today is falling apart, destroying itself, corrupt, and, and, and if we don't look at Jesus, wh- what do we look to? Well, what are you going to look to? The future? You know, let me tell you something. You know, let me tell you something really funny. When I was your age, the teachers, you know what they told me? My school teachers, you know what they told me? John, you're the future. Your class, you're the future. Your generation is the future. Well, now I'm 35 years old and now I'm the present. Man, we messed up a lot. And so, you know what? I'm going to tell you the same thing. You're the future. You're the future. When you're going to be my age, you're going to judge me less. Let me tell you that right now. Why? Because hope does not come from us. It comes from God. And when we are praying for the kingdom to come, what, we're, what are we saying? We're, we're not saying let heaven come without the king. We're saying, God, come. Rescue us from ourselves. What a glorious request. And we pray tangibly and specifically for God's kingdom to arrive here. For his justice, holiness, and righteousness to govern the world without sin. And one day, beloved, and that's what you are. People make fun of me. Why do you keep calling us beloved? Because that is what you are in Christ. You are beloved. One day you will see him face to face. What do we learn so far? There is a priority of prayer. We learn in verse 2 that the priority of prayer is not primarily about things. And your wants and your desires. It is primarily about being with God. And this is so important because I'm not saying you can't pray about things. You need things. You have a body. I have a body. I have a mind. You need to take care of yourself. That's true. That's all true. But we start with acknowledging who God is, our Father. And let your name be hallowed. And let your kingdom come. Why? Why do we do that? Why do we praise God first before we say, oh, Lord, give us this, give us that. You know, I have all these problems in my life. I want this and I want that. Because if God is not great... If God is not great, what are we praying to Him for? He can't handle my problems. He can't handle what I got. You know, I'm preaching to you up here. I could even dance. I don't dance. I, I won't, I won't, I won't, I'll, I'll uh, save you from that pain, that visual pain. But I could dance up here if I wanted to, and I, I, I feel comfortable doing that. Why? Because the foundation is so secure. In fact, I could just keep going like this, I'll be fine foundation is so secure that's what we're doing when we're acknowledging god we are testing that foundation and we're saying god you are my rock what a blessing it is and when we pray this way what do we learn who god is but also who you are by the way christians are not the only ones who pray can we take a look at this video all right, that's good, that's good.
0: BTS made their day- As you
1: can see, it's not just us that is praying. It's also the world, too. It just depends upon what God you serve. I, I looked at that YouTube clip and I looked uh, scrolled through some of the uh, comment section. Uh, a person by the name of Keel Ah said, BTS saved my life. I suffered a lot of bullying at school. I had no friends. I was always sad and alone. In the songs, I found hope that tomorrow would be better and that I would be fine. I talked online with ARMY and managed to make incredible friendships. When I tried to commit suicide, the fans, my friends, supported me. BTS gave me friends when I needed them most, gave me hope and reminded me while I still want to live. I have been ARMY for seven years with professional help and the ARMY overcame depression. BTS saved my life, I love them. I love armies. Finally, I love myself. Hold on. I heard some of you laughing, right? I wanted to cry. It's not just a kid. There's, a, uh, there's another person by Kay Lou. I'm a 32-year-old army and BTS has helped me in many ways. I had problems with depression and anxiety attacks that when I listen to their songs, it helps me come down from the attack. Whenever I feel depressed, I go and watch videos of them being silly. Knowing that they deal with the very same issues as their fans, anxiety, depression, family issues, eating disorders, etc. makes them more human in a way that, celebra- so that most celebrities aren't. That they take the time to communicate through Twitter and that they make it a point to thank ARMY for every award every interview, every concert shows, that they see us as their support system as well. It's incredible. I mean, like this BTS army, I mean, whether you want to knock it or not, it's, it's pretty incredible. Thousands and hundreds and hundreds of thousands. I'm actually proud in a sense of these people uh, who have accomplished so much success. But what I am so proud tragically sad about is that for them they have to pray not to Jesus they have to pray that BTS would actually see their message and maybe give them a tweeter or a twit or what is it? Tweet. Sorry. This is how little I use uh, social media. But yes, a tweet. They have to hope and pray that BTS will remind them that they see them. But here's the thing. Most of them will never meet BTS, and so they talk to one another. In this hopeless cycle of sorrow, who can rescue us? God does not say, hey, I'm in heaven, you come to me. You know what God says? Heaven comes to you, not through a tweet, but through Jesus Christ. Anytime you want to doubt his love, look at the cross. You don't have to look at Twitter. You don't have to do all of these things. But now, you know, uh, when we know this, things change. Things change, okay? Are you ready for this? And so let's, uh, let's, let's move on now, okay, to point number two. Point number two. Um, what we're going to talk about now is the audacity of prayer. Okay, the audacity of prayer. When we know God in this way, and yet God loves us, we have the boldness to ask for anything. And so what do we ask? What do we ask? Verse 3, give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone that is indebted to us and bring us not into temptation. It's a very odd thing for us to pray to God for our daily bread, especially when we live here in Nova, we get more than just bread, even at Panera Bread most of the time. And we can have we have all this food in abundance in the, in the United States. But notice what bread is back then to these people. Bread was just the basic staple. If you just simply wanted to live and you didn't have a lot of money, bread and water, right? Bread and water. And what Jesus is teaching us here is not simply to, okay, pray for bread, but Pray for your needs. Pray for your needs. And you're like, well, honestly, it's kind of confusing. Needs versus wants. I have a lot of wants that I want so badly that I'm kind of convinced that it is my needs. But when we pray to God the Father with everything that is in our heart, who sifts through, who helps us understand what is our need and what is our want? God. It is a wonderful thing when we pray to God for everything that is in our hearts, whether it be our needs or our wants, but in this case, our needs, and then when God says, no, you cannot get these things, I have learned over the years that what God is saying to me is, John, that is not a need. That is not a need. In fact, if you keep getting what you want all the time, it will ruin your character and your image as a child of God. What you need always is not the things that you pray for, but what you need always is to trust the one to whom you pray for all of these things. And notice how it says, give us, give us. We're an army ourselves, an army of God. Give us our daily needs. And needs come in so many different ways and so many different forms whether that be emotional, mental, physical, spiritual, and if we could just open up our eyes to love one another because we have received so much love from Jesus Christ that we pray to God, not just give me my bread, but give us our bread. And when we pray this prayer, it naturally leads from provision, provision to now pardon. Provision to now pardon. Forgive us of our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. We don't have a lot of time. So let me move forward through all of this. Forgive us of our sins. As we are praying to God, what we are reminding ourselves once again is that we can come to God as we are as sinners because Jesus has come to us. And we are reminding ourselves again and again of how this is possible How forgiveness is possible because somebody paid for the debt of sin. The scriptures teach us that what sin is, it's a wage. It's what you owe. Has anybody offended you? Has anybody hurt you? Has anybody traumatized you? What do you want? You say, you owe me an apology. You owe me what? Justice. You owe me but you're a sinful person too, just like me. But God the Father who is perfect in all his ways, his offense is even greater. And the wages of sin from God's vantage point is death. And so what happens? Jesus comes, he gets on the cross and he dies for our sins. And when we remember that, again, forgive us, right, it's not just my sins, it's just the collective of his children. I'm just like, man, I can't even comprehend. I can't even comprehend the kind of pain that God must have felt at the offense of our collective sins. And we have the audacity to pray to God and say, forgive us. Of our sins. And this is why, and especially for those of us who are watching online, watching online is fine, but it will never replace this. And here's why. Listen, look at me. This is why. You don't like everybody here, do you? You don't. I understand. You're a human being. You don't like everybody here. But when you visually see someone that you visually, you just don't like, viscerally, you just don't like him or her. And all of a sudden, you see that person that you despise so much, physically, you just see them and you realize that they have their hands in the air, they're praising God, they're worshiping him and you begin to wonder in amazement, my God, my God, you forgive him too. You forgive me too. For thousands of years, the church has been in existence, watching the brokenness of our lives because of sin and watching Jesus Christ come and pick us up together and you know the last part is really tricky right now we're called to forgive others we're free to forgive others and that's so hard and we know that that's so hard because the, the final request is and lead us not into temptation what kind of temptation is jesus talking about here god does not lead us to temptation We naturally go there anyways, but he says, lead us not into temptation. What kind of temptation is Jesus talking about? Jesus is talking about the kind of bitterness that happens into our hearts where we don't want to forgive, where we don't want to love one another. We become wise in our own eyes. Ah, she'll, she'll never change. That's who she is. That's who he is. And we start writing nasty things about one another. So lead us away from temptation, Lord, because I don't know about you guys. When someone offends me it's hard to even forget. So Lord help me not grow in my temptation to hate others. In order to help us understand this um, the final point is the fruit, the fruit. Jesus gives us a couple of illustrations and you know he knows that it's really hard and so he gives us a couple of illustrations the fruit, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Impudence simply means shameless. Because of his persistent shamelessness. All right, fine, just get what whatever you want. But think about this story. It's midnight. And in this time period and in this region, you don't get rooms. You get a room. <laughs> you get a room, mom, dad, and all your kids just sleeping in one room. And then you got this annoying guy knocking at midnight. And remember, you guys aren't parents, but maybe you kind of appreciate this if you have younger brothers and sisters. Man, when mom and dad puts these little kids to sleep, it's like heaven opened up for us. But then at midnight, just constantly knocking and a friend just waking up. And all of a sudden, what? the Dad sees... The worst nightmare ever. Not his friend, but all of a sudden these eyes just popping up. These little kids just waking up, and it's just like, oh, my gosh. It took me hours to put these kids to bed, and now my friend comes at midnight. Okay, so he opens up. He's like, what's going on? All right. What do you need? Are you injured? Are you hurt? No. I I, I need bread. the heck? (laughs) Why? What do you need bread for? Oh, well, well, my friend is coming not yours. My friend is coming. I don't have any bread. That's crazy. That's insane. This guy has no sense in his mind. And so in the most polite way possible, he says, do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. So this guy is in bed with his kids. He's like, you woke up everybody. I can't help you. And so what is the lesson here? What is the lesson here? Is the lesson here, hey guys, just annoy God to death. Just annoy God to death. And finally he'll roll his eyes and he'll go, all right, fine, whatever, get what you want. No, we must look at this through the perspective of the impudent friend. We are praying to God Almighty. We are praying to God Almighty. He has control over everything, over every little detail, over the entire cosmos. He is a cosmic king. And we can ask Him for bread. Incredible. And the fruit here that we learn is that you can ask God for help when you have a cold or when you or a loved one has cancer. Why are we not going to him? Why are we so polite and not impudent? Why are we not rushing towards this God when he has opened the door for us? One thing else um, that we learned here um, is that bread is not necessary for a 12 o'clock kind of, you know, it's not an emergency. He could have waited. You don't have to wait. Moving on, the final, the final illustration. Verses nine to 13. And I tell you, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you? If, he, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? What is God saying to you? This is the last, right, this is the last concluding mark. So listen up. God is telling you, come to me as my child ask ask seek and you will find and God will answer your prayers and there's three ways in which God will answer your prayers it's either a yes which we always love either a no we will love it later <laughs> but not immediately or last maybe not yet those are the three only possible answers that God can give to us yes no not yet but either way, we come to God and he says, you know, if you ask for a fish, I'm not going to give you a serpent. If you ask for an egg, I'm not going to give you a scorpion. The reason why I say no or not yet is because you're not, in, in, you're not seeking first God's kingdom. And here's the thing. How many of your parents have said to you because you were being a little bit rude and maybe you were being a little bit more disgruntled and maybe a little bit more disrespectful than you should have been? And you're like, mom, I want this, I want that. Dad, I want this and I want that. And you're not behaving in a certain way that pleases them, and your parents say to you when you were a little kid, Fine, have your way, do whatever you want, but you won't have me. It's terrifying. But here, the last line the Heavenly Father will give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. That is the fruit. You know, you guys are asking for, you know, what do I do with my life? I need good advice. Well, guess what? You get the Holy Spirit, the counselor over your life. I don't know what to do. I don't know where do I find my meaning in life. You get the counselor. You get the Holy Spirit to reside in you. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You hear that? Because of Jesus, you're not only sinners, but you're also saints. You are set apart by his love. Let us go to God in prayer. Would you bow your heads with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, please forgive us of our sins, of neglecting you in prayer and seeing you as just a mere afterthought. Father, would you enter into our hearts and in our lives so that we can see the value of praying to you, for you, instead of getting things from you. Of course, Lord, we thank you that you invite us to pray for anything and everything, whether things or people or the future. But Father, may we not miss the ultimate fruit of prayer to enjoy you forever. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.